By watching or listening to this show, you are acknowledging that you are of legal age to purchase and consume cannabis in your region. This production is for adults only. Have you seen the slash? Made by users for users. Engineered for flavor. One of the coolest features around. A built-in loading tool. Learn more at www.stonesmiths.ca. of Cannabis, a joint venture between the Green Generation Co. and the Cannabis 101 podcast. Bringing you the latest bud, biz, buzz. Malka LaBelle joins us from the Green Generation Co. Find out how Malka can help you at www.greengencompany.com as we discuss what is going on when it comes to the business of cannabis. Malka, good to see you again. How are things? Hi, Dean. Good to see you as well. I have nothing to complain about. Oh, that is the best kind of answer (laughs) that you can have. Um, And and you know what? Uh, There there is some good news. And, you know, a lot of times uh, we kind of get bogged down because there's some, so many things that we are working towards. Um, sometimes we don't celebrate the great things enough. And I love that we're talking about something so positive with our lead topic this week. And that is that mm-hmm. the U.S. Uh, House of Representatives have passed the MORE Act. And that's going to lead to some really good things. And you could tell us about that now. Yeah, I want to just emphasize this is the MORE Act. So this is a huge win for everyone in the world, particularly those in the cannabis space and anyone that has been fighting the good fight, uh, if they're in prison for cannabis possession, if they've had a major bout of illness and haven't been able to reach out to their doctors to get the care they need. This is a massive hurdle. And this is one that has been cleared because of the work that... um, Senator Kamala Harris has put forward. So she was the one that co-signed this bill. Um, so it hasn't fully cleared into into law yet in the U.S., but it passed the House of Representatives, which is a big part of the hurdles. And really what it means, in my opinion, is we're going to see a lot more in terms of um, research and clinical research done on cannabis. And really, this is a huge thing for the cannabis sector because people have been using cannabis for a long time medicinally, but the medical benefits are still just scratching the surface to really be understood. And and it's because um, of the sort of the paradigm on how cannabis is researched or how any drug or anything for medical purposes is researched, being the randomized control trials or RCTs at the center of human trials around anything for human health and medicinal purposes. And, And this is something that, you know, people in the cannabis world could tell you forever that Um, You know, cannabis just doesn't work the same way or in that way that it's a single isolated molecule that's going to give you the results that you want uh, to see. But the more research that's done on on cannabis in general, and that can happen now uh, when it becomes fully passed as the MORE Act, 
we're going to see a lot more people trying to prove this. Um, and essentially what that means is that we're going to just see a lot more proof as to what cannabis can do for people in many different ways. And I picked the one particular uh, molecule that I am eagerly awaiting more uh, information on, which is the THCV uh, cannabinoid. And there's been a few or like one real random trial around this in the US um, that showed it to be positive uh, for the purpose of treating diabetes um, and and um, some of the uh, metabolic syndrome uh, disorders, which are those that are cause things like obesity um, and, you know, a high, uh, high um, heart disease and high blood pressure um, and affect your kidneys and your liver. So uh, some of these um, disorders, you know, the, the drug companies have gone to, to their field days around treatments of these, you know, um, uh, drugs for people, which essentially makes them longtime customers mm -hmm. of the pharmaceutical companies. They really don't do anything to treat the problem from a, a you know, solving the problem perspective. Um, they really just like to have long-term customers like every other capitalist organization out there. So what this means in terms of a good thing now is that we can really start to prove out with trials or with all types of cannabis research and testing that it's the entourage effect that really gives the balance of the the wholesomeness of the plant that it has these medicinal properties and you know more about that than than dean than anyone right like what does mm -hmm. the entourage effect mean to you well the the entourage effect for me is uh when when you take different parts of the plant and um you know and and i always equate it to you know instead of buying your uh your cannabis or whatever it is or, or selecting your cannabis based on the thc uh take a look at some of the terpenes that they're in there that are in there that give it uh, the 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 smell the aromatic oils and and some of the the taste effects and there are some terpenes that have some terrific medical benefits and then you have the thc and then you have the different cannabinoids so it's everything working together and sometimes you know, you also can get locked in, locked in when you find out more about terpenes and say, oh, this has myrcene in it. This means I'm going to go to sleep. But sometimes yeah. that myrcene can work in with another terpene and the entourage effect, and it actually works a little bit differently. And that is one of the reasons I'm finding that cannabis can be beneficial for so many people because the different types of cannabis, the different cultivars and the different cannabinoids and terpenes that are working together in the different cultivars can work on different, um, you know, malady, uh, maladies that are out there for people. That's the entourage effect for me. Exactly. You're 100% right. And it's very hard to study that the way that clinical trials are set up yes. than have ever been set up. So it's sort of in the, in the example of for medicinal purposes, you know, drugs are tested by a, a controlled in a controlled way. So that means that one thing is changed amongst all the other variables within the ex experiment, essentially. And that just isn't the way cannabis works. It's a, it's the entourage because you need all of these different factors working together to really get the full benefit of this plant. So why I think this is exciting is that, you know, initially we understand that some of the cannabinoids are, are good for some things. And overwhelmingly THC is the most predominant cannabinoid in cannabis um, in general. And CBD is, is a, such a small percentage of the plant, but has such a massive benefit from the medicinal properties. So the volume of the controlled substance, let's use that for this example, doesn't really where um, bear into the actual outcomes of the benefits that are perceived. And this is what this article was talking about that I was talking that I was referring to 
is that the, a little bit of THC goes, uh, THCV in this case goes a long way. And why do I talk about THCV? Well, it has a lot of the opposite effects that that traditionally cannabis is believed to have. Um, and they've already seen this in the one example of the controlled experiment that they did in that it has the appetite suppressing effect. Mm. So unlike THCV, which tends to give you the munchies and not all do, but uh, what I have personally found and what some of the evidence has shown is that THCV has the opposite effect where it's an appetite suppressant. And this is true of a lot of the African land race strains where you see THCV uh, molecules in higher proportion, which are next to impossible to find in Canada. <laughs> but what they're noticing is that it has a lot to do with the um, the anti-inflammatory properties of the cannabinoids and the CBD um, overall. And that's why di the diabetes like pain point or the diabetes problem is a great example of how to start to really unlock some of these um, ex uh, you know, reasons why we should not really look at this as a single molecule, but a bunch of molecules together um, and look at treating cannabis, using cannabis as a treatment, as a holistic way to, to sort of to, to, to counteract that. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to mention that that's, it's, it's exciting. And, you know, TCV has other effects um, and it's already been seen in lab uh, rats uh, for that are with obesity and diabetes um, experiments that it does actually reverse weight gain and improves uh, insulin resistance. So those are the two big markers that were tested in the previous study and just more research to come. It's very exciting. I wanted to just mention that some of the companies in Canada that are focusing on this for their goal with their license, the Health Canada license, is on the R&D side. There's Willow Analytics, which is a company, their head office is here in Calgary, but they've got um, labs, I think, in Vancouver, as well as in, I'm not sure where the other one is. There's also one in California. And their goal is to grow cannabinoids out of yeast. And I've been really against this on my public media, in the public, um, like LinkedIn and stuff, but I wanted to clarify my stance on this. When you're using cannabinoid um, lab and research to grow cannabis for the purpose of doing experimentation around it, for the purpose of replacing ph traditional pharmaceuticals, I am all for that. The more people that are trying to do that, the better um, to remove traditional pharmaceuticals that we are now know are much more harmful to people in the long term. But that's what I think that the, the place in the legal cannabis market is not for recreational purposes and not really even for creating new products, so to speak, unless it's going to be for, for specifically the medical application. So this is why I'm excited about these companies like Will Analytics. Um, and there's a couple of other ones that are talking about the bioscience and the biosynthesis of cannabinoids out of growing properties like yeast and, and other sort of lab type elements, essentially, so there isn't a bunch of waste energy created or, mm. you know, money spent when you really only want to get that one or two cannabinoids. So it's very efficient that way. So that's what I want to clarify around that point. And um, otherwise, for those that still like the, the whole flower per, uh, perspective, I'm all about the African land race strains. Some of them examples, Durban Poison is an example, Doug's Darren mm -hmm. and Red Congolese. If you can find them or find seeds of them, catch them up, uh, snap them up because they have a higher ratio of THCV and that's the one that's gonna have the appetite suppressing and um, make you just feel overall have a reduced inflammation response if you wanna try that in your repertoire. Well, I know that uh, Gnome Starcraft Cannabis has some uh, red Congolese because I had uh, Earl uh, Oliver on the show. Uh, we talked about that and, and some of the reasons why 
he wanted to uh, go with that. So that is definitely out there uh, right now. Okay, uh, let's get into uh, change makers. And uh, in, in this uh, specific segment, uh, we're talking about a research license for the vape hardware manufacturer with uh, Green Tank Technologies. So where are you going with this? Yeah, so Green Tank Technologies, um, I've been sort of keeping my eye on them for a while. I saw that lift. And this is a Canadian company uh, in Toronto. Pretty cool. So they got their, uh, they're a vape manufacturer. So they they kind of white label their products. So if you go on their website and, and take a look, their products are basically the the plain version and then a lot of other companies including pax sundial pretty much every other brand out there has bought their hardware and put their brand on it so they're all about the white label of their technology and what they've done here is they were granted a research license similar to what i mentioned in the first part um so that they can actually really test how um their hardware interacts with the cannabis when it's inside of it so we already know about the issues around like the vape gate crisis of last year where you know there was tainted um or not you know Mm -hmm. stuff was utilized in making of vape products that was not good for inhalation purposes right we we all remember that side so this is an example where they can really get beyond that and go into the next level of not only testing for contaminants um, when they're in that vape state or in the liquids and then turned into into vapor when you're inhaling them, but they can also test for viscosity and fluids, um, emissions, uh, constituents, and other ways that the instra- extracts interact with different materials in the hardware. So when you add heat to anything, it tends to change its properties and that's exactly what they're able to test with a research license now so it's really exciting because they are um following a regulatory model under gmp and iso um which i have recently become an expert on by (laughs) happenstance um but this is a, a part of the industry that people are really wanting to get more clarity around is what are the standards for testing and for creating manufactured products for cannabis the right now the answer is there aren't any specific to cannabis they sort of fall under other standards which is why i put up that logo those logos there so depending on what you're intended using of those manufactured products whether it's edibles for eating or vapeware for inhalation different standards would apply as right now but fortunately i'm on the committee for the uh, international standards standards uh, uh organization the international convention which was this past week it was a grueling like seven hour session over five days um, that allowed uh, the people that are in the industry and that are stakeholders and are experts in this to get together and discuss what are the new standards look like. And it's going to be like, I think it's a nine month process until we get to a point where, okay, we've got a document that outlines what these stand- standards are and how they apply in the cannabis sector internationally. So not this isn't just in Canada, this is the world over. And this is something that is super important um, because it's the it's the point the where the rubber meets the road. I use the elephant in the room example um, because right now the illicit market utilizes standards as an example to essentially improperly indicate that their products are safe. So they mm-hmm. use these these uh, labels because they're very easy to find and put on products without them actually being verified, and the public doesn't really know the difference. They just think, oh, it's got some kind of standards. It must be safe and it must be approved by Health Canada. 
And that's really not technically true. So this is an area that I'm super passionate about, the labeling, the restrictions, and the standardization of some of these standards for specifically cannabis purposes. Um, and really what it needs is a whole new way of, of understanding what the standards do and how they're, how they're applied. So fortunately, I'm part of these working groups. And this is the kind of work that needs to be done. We're on the cutting edge of this, leading the way in Canada. But the rest of the world is watching. And it's very important that we take note of that and take note of the elephant in the room here, that this is the point where the public also needs to understand what's going on so that they aren't harmed in the process of you know, just following the label in which they're buying whatever they're buying their products from. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, you know, when you talk about the 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 ser- very serious uh, crisis that was the with vaporizers last year or vape pens, it was the illicit market. It was cutting it with poison. And the, the unfortunate thing with that is a lot, as you mentioned, you know, I've seen that uh, THC, that Canadian, you know, that THC logo that comes on every legal Canadian package. I've seen that on tons of black market products out there. Mm-hmm. So it is hard. There yeah. are websites, there are press releases that have gone out about yeah, these websites we've about as that. we've talked about. Yeah. So it's very hard for people to discern sometimes what is legal, what is illegal. I'm sure that's uh, surprising to the rest of the world why that is why that is happening. And, um, you know, when especially when they have that logo on there or it looks very realistic, but inside of that product is, you know, stuff that's not supposed to be there. So the fact that we're we're going to be testing this is very important and the fact that we somehow you know you know i don't think we'll ever get rid of the illicit market of of cannabis 100 percent, malka you know i i'm not sure that will ever happen it'd be great if it did but we have to do something to be able to reduce it more and and they, they seem to still be operating in plain sight yeah, and it's a big it's a big initiative for the industry and like sure. the National Cannabis Working Group, the Chamber, the Roundtables. This is on everybody's mind, and it's a it's there's ways that we can make it a much harder to operate in the illicit space, or to the point where it's uneconomic, where it doesn't make sense. Right, there's no right. financial incentive, and that's really what cuts things off if you look at history. So mm-hmm. we're working towards that, and we're working towards a new state of standardization. Right now, I'm in the process of of talking to different lab companies to understand like what does an ideal look like. For for them like Canada's leading the way on this and part of the task forces that are out for this goal is to find out what would be an ideal standard to achieve so I'm helping with that process so if you are a lab company or a lab ex- or an extraction company or you're doing anything and you want to make sure that the standards comply and you have a, an idea around that please reach out to me because I think this is really important that we get those voices at the table and they are calling for more experts to be part of the conversation in Canada and around the world so the more people that are at that table giving in their their belief of a solution, not a problem, but a solution to this problem. We want to hear from them for sure. All right, let's get uh, wrap up with what it means to be green and uh, tell me about GreenGate uh, Power Corp pioneering what it means to be green. Yeah, so I mean, I have to say this is my origins for what I really understood about what it means to be green from a personal perspective and became sort of the my growth factor from learning about what it all is about. And it really started in 2007. Um, a good friend of ours, Dan Balaban, who's the CEO of Greengate Power Corporation, at that time he was out raising money in Alberta from his friends and family to revolutionize how we get energy in a renew and find it in a renewable way. 
So that was a BHAG or big, hairy, audacious goal that he set out to do a long time ago. And uh, he came from, a, you know, roots in the oil and gas business and, the, and in the oil fields himself. So he understood what it meant to have oil driving energy and how terrible that was for the environment back then. So what they've done is they've really blown up, so to speak, um, by he's considered one of the, the key people to, as the go-to in terms of what it means to be a renewable company. And they are doing it by developing solar and wind power as a development corp, so a development company. So I invested in this in early days in 2007 with my husband and family and friends. And now in 2000, I guess it was 2019, um, we did another raise when I brought in people from my MBA and other co colleagues and we raised a bunch more money for a second round. And what that was for was um, this growth in the solar side of this development corporation, which is for a 465 megawatt solar wind farm. So that's the biggest amount of solar um, size solar in, in Canada, if not North America, one of the biggest projects. Um, it's called Traverse Solar and it's right here in Alberta. Um, it's planning to be operational in 2022. So this is a, these are big, big, big projects. They take up a lot of space, but because of the state of the world, the economy and the environment, the cost of renewable energy is now better, if not on par with natural gas and coal and other carbon faced uh, uh, power sources without the use of um, subsidies. So for a long time, government and other, you know, green initiatives are subsidizing the cost of setting up these majorly capital, capital intensive projects that are, you know, a ton of money to set up. But once they're turned on, they like next to nothing in operations and maintenance costs. They just produce energy when the sun is shining or the wind is blowing. Mm -hmm. And now supplementing with battery storage, it even gives that longevity and supplementation even more so that you don't really need as much um, carbon-based fuels. Now, Dan is a huge proponent of utilizing all kinds of energy, not replacing or eliminating everything, but there is a carbon transition here that he talks about. He's on BNM Bloomberg like weekly, it seems like. He's all over the place. He's on every panel ever. <laughs> in the last few years, he's highly tooted as the grandfather or the godfather in some cases of renewable energy coming out of Alberta. Um, and I've been at the table with him and even like the Her uh, Berkshire Hathaway guys, like at the same room, at the same table, talking to each other on developing projects, Berkshire Hathaway being, uh, um, you know, um, <laughs> the uh, grandfather of all things amazing. Um, I'm escaping my his name at the moment. But anyways, these conversations were had by the biggest names in energy and um, business of overall. Um, and basically what that means is that we're at the table. I'm at the table with these people and they're Dan Balban is one of my mentors and, and he's a big advisor for me and my, and my company as well. So we're all about what it means to be green in the most renewable uh, sense of the word. And my addition to this is what cannabis can mean and add to this conversation is additional fuel sources, materials, just making the world greener overall. And that's what I talk about. And that's the root of my business and what it means to be green. So that's, I wanted to highlight that this week, this project is going into uh, um, building uh, and commercialization very soon. And I wanted to, to highlight it. 
Awesome. Good stuff. Uh, good stuff for the environment. Get cannabis involved and everybody is definitely uh, a whole lot greener. You can find out how Melka can help you at www.greengencompany.com. Thanks so much, Melka. Thanks, Dean.